Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I'm your host, Ryan Winder. Uh, I've got a great show for you today with an amazing guest. But before I get to him, uh, I just wanted to check in with everybody. Hopefully you are in the mode of practicing gratitude, not just thinking about it or doing it from time to time, but you've made a practice of it as that is the best way to enjoy the benefits of gratitude is to make it a practice. Um, The thing that I think I love the most about that episode is just our ability that we have control over if we want to have the benefits of it in our life by by our ability to to cultivate more gratitude in our lives by creating those practices and doing things that bring it into our lives more fully, uh, not just from time to time or when we have a challenge or when it's Thanksgiving time, uh, but that we do it on a more regular basis and, like I said, reap those rewards. Uh, just really quick, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me, thevegastherapist at gmail.com, as well as uh, go on to our uh, my Facebook page, The Vegas Therapist Podcast, Ryan Winder. You can join that group, uh, stay in touch with episodes, as well as just other articles and different things I post on there, make comments, uh, connect with us, make suggestions for the show. Uh, also, if you have a suggestion or a question, um, something that you might be struggling with, uh, please feel free to reach out to me, email me. Uh, and also, too, if you want to do any coaching, um, Uh, have that available. Or if you're in the Vegas or Idaho area, um, I'm licensed there. So I'm able to do uh, therapy with you as well in those areas. So that is always an option too, if you want some more of my expertise and the things that I can help you with in your life, I'd be happy to work with you. So um, again, great show for you today. Just an amazing guest. His name is Dr. Rob Kelly. He is a PhD. He's got his PhD from Oxford University. Um, he's a world, world-renowned addiction consultant who believes in treating the problem of addiction, not just the symptoms. He's worked for many years helping addicts and alcoholics to recover their lives from the disease of addiction. This is also based on his own experiences and his own challenges with alcoholism. He has lectured at, at many high-profile universities and hospitals about addiction and is recognized as a leading authority on addiction recovery methods that are changing lives. Dr. Kelly is currently the CEO of Rob Kelly Recovery Group, an addiction recovery coaching company that he created based on his extensive research and behavioral studies that he conducted over the last 20 years. Dr. Kelly's methods may seem unconventional and unorthodox, leading some people to refer to him as the Gordon Ramsay of the addiction world because of his direct no-nonsense and candid approach to treating addiction. Dr. Kelly works to make the road to recovery less of a, of a mystery tour. Uh, today, Dr. Kelly inspires, educates, and changes lives with the amazing gripping story of success to failure in his own life. And in November of 2019, he published the book, Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking, which chronicles his history and his story with alcoholism inspiring and sad at times but it stands as a testament to the power of recovery so that is our guest for today and let's welcome him in all right well this time i'd like to welcome my guest dr rob kelly who is a world-renowned addiction consultant and just an all-around amazing person if you've heard of him before i'm sure you know if you followed him and know his work um, it's, he's amazing. He's also written a book called daddy, daddy, please stop drinking. So welcome in Rob to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be here, man. Yes. Good to be here. Well, Vegas is uh, glad to have you. So <laughs> we, we probably need more of you here than, uh, <laughs> than, yeah. than, I don't know, Texas though, is a, is a pretty good location for you. Yeah. Do you like it's, being it's there? It's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty yeah. good. But because most of our stuff now, 95% is telehealth. We go across the world. So we get people from yeah. all walks of life. So it's awesome. We love our telehealth. Been doing it for eight years. So, and it's not as, you know, suddenly overnight, everybody was a telehealth provider. It's like, it doesn't work like that, guys. Right. I went back to school to get a PhD in behavioral science. 
to be able to do our stuff. But uh, yeah, God bless them. Yeah, no, I mean, the telehealth definitely has been great to, to open up to other people. I know I've had people move away and different things and it's been a, it's been something I've used for a long time too. So it's, but it's, it's a, it's a great tool. So, all right. Well, before we kind of get into some of the stuff you're currently doing, everybody loves a story. Everybody likes to know kind of where people come from, how they got to the place that they are. You're no exception. You have a great story or, I mean, it's a crazy great story, but you definitely have, you know, you, you kind of, um, haven't fallen into the addiction kind of consulting by accident. It's been a part of your life. So for the people that don't know about you and for some of my listeners, um, can you just kind of give us a brief history of your story, kind of why, kind of where you've been and kind of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, definitely. So guys, my name is Dr. Rob Kelly. I'm an addiction psychologist. And uh, the reason why I am is because of my own past. I'm a chronic alcoholic is what I am. I know people are going, oh my goodness, you look so good. You look to be doing well. Turn back to the early days, started drinking when I was nine. I was thrown on stage with a musical family. Mm-hmm. So at the age of nine, I took my first drink. And really, when you think about it, because I thought it was my solution to life. When I took that first drink, it was like, oh my goodness, this is it. Whereas I check in with friends of mine over the years. It's like, what was it like when you took your first drink? And they go, oh, it was disgusting. I spat it out. <laughs> Never drank till I was 18. It's like age of nine, I knew this was my solution. Mm. And it was a solution for many, many years. Talk to girls, do things that other people wouldn't do. Had the confidence to do anything that I wanted to do. But as alcoholism goes, the, the, the more the disease progressed, uh, the more it took a hold of me. And, you know, went through marriages, went to a marriage, uh, two babies, great house on the hill, Porsches, Bentleys, everything was great. And then it just come out of control. And eventually wife and kids w- went house was uh, foreclosed on cars were taken back because they were leased and before i know what date was i'm sat on a bench in the middle of manchester united kingdom just in case you guys are worrying you thought i was from east texas i'm actually from england so i'm sat there on this bench in england saying to myself where did it all go wrong and i didn't have an answer to it ryan and i spent 14 months on the streets but i swore if i ever got off the streets i'd spend the rest of my life first of all going back to school and let's study this alcoholism in the brain because all my doctor told me is, I think you're an alcoholic. And, well, that's about it, really. Ever heard of AA? That was it. It's like, I wanted to find out what's going on. What's mm. really going on with the brain? So I studied the brain regarding addiction for 27-something years, I think. And uh, now I'm running a company. I've got five practices in five different countries. Uh, I'm a, a, a TV celebrity, if you can call celebrities. Radio celebrity. I have a book out. I have a thriving practice. And uh, life is good, man. Life is yeah. good today. That's awesome. That's great. It's and and I think the one thing about just kind of like proof of is just you know that life doesn't have to hold you down, right? You can be, be whatever you you want to be. And I want to get into that in a little bit, just like because I know I've I've heard you talk before about just some of those negative messages yeah. that sort of like get developed in us and kind of how that's one of the biggest things that, that maybe goes untreated a lot of times in treatment programs is just dealing with those, those, those messages of whether it's not good enough or I'm a piece of, you know, whatever it is and, and being able to kind of work through those and, and get to that place where we can be, if we want to be right, you know, the, the past doesn't have to hold us down. So um, I don't know if you want to, I mean, maybe we can jump into that a little bit. I mean, any thoughts yeah. on that? Like, is that definitely, uh, okay. Definitely. I mean, most of our stuff around alcoholism is always trauma. Mm-hmm. People go, well, I'm not sure I've suffered from trauma in my life. Yes, you have. Believe me, you have. There's always trauma, always trauma when we're talking about alcoholism. And believing in yourself is unbelievably amazing because as alcoholics, uh, I have no self-esteem. I have no confidence. I'm always looking for the bad things that are going to happen. When's the shoe going to drop? This is the, me- the mentality of the alcoholic brain or the addictive brain is, I want to self-sabotage every time I get. So I build a bright future up. You know, I start that company. We earn that first million dollars. And before I knew what data is, I'm sat homeless trying to beg for food on the street. How does that happen? All goes back to trauma and the way I think, which is always never good enough. And, you know, it always makes me smile. I, me and my, my wife got married about five years ago, and we had an argument after the first couple of days. And it was something, or nothing, Ryan. It was nothing, you know, crazy. But... I said, I can't do this. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm like 54, I'm not doing it anymore. And she said, and I quote, well, that's the way the marriage is, marriage is supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, from the back of my brain, I said, says who? <laughs> Who's making these rules up? I don't like these rules. Right. Let's make our own rules up where we dance in the bathroom in the morning. We laugh and joke all day long. We play with our dogs. We have fun. And we go to bed at night time exhausted through laughing. And for the last five years, we've been doing that. And people don't realize this, that if you change the way you think, not only do you change the way you drink, but you can be anybody you want. Look at me. Homeless to here is almost impossible. But when you have the right mindset and know what the brain is all about regarding addiction, all bets are off what you mm-hmm. can do. Uh, the first thing I, I got told in this country, well, I can't be president of the United States. I beg to differ. We've just had <laughs> a businessman running the States with no political education whatsoever has been running the United States of America. So don't tell me you can't do anything you want. You can. You want that girl, you want that house, car, want that wife. It's po- easily possible because you just don't know how good you really are. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely see that. And like, I like what you said about the, the notion of trauma um, and everybody's got trauma. I mean, really, yeah. Alcoholic, whoever, I mean, there's, you're always looking for the trauma that has kind of like been in somebody's life. So for you and your treatment, like, it sounds like that you definitely go into that and that that's a big part of it. Do you just out of curiosity, just from my perspective and stuff is, do you use specific techniques like EMDR, that kind of stuff, where you just kind of try to do more be like the behavioral stuff where you're looking at those negative beliefs and identifying those or. Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, there's a couple of things we use. First of all, mm-hmm. for the trauma. And, and first of all, let me define trauma because people okay. go, oh, I've not been trauma in my life. If yeah. you have the addictive brain and predisposition, you can track alcoholism and addiction back through your family. If you, have, if you can't see your mom and dad, look at your grandparents. It's there if you are alcoholic. Uh, we got to look at trauma. So mm-hmm. what is trauma as a child? Well, this is trauma as a child. Get down off that stool, you stupid idiot. How many times have I told you you can't go to college? You're not as smart as your brother. This is trauma. This is damage to the child's brain, especially the addictive brain. And I'll take that on board. And, and at the right time, at the right moment, it will come to the prefrontal cortex. And I'll believe I can't get that job. I can't mm-hmm. get that girl. So how do we treat it? We use ACA. It's a great um, material. It's mm-hmm. adult child of alcoholic. Yeah. We also use somatic experience. And Meadows trained, Pete Levine trained. And then uh, we use brain spotting. Okay. Brain mm-hmm. spotting is mm-hmm. awesome. You know, mm-hmm. what we see is what we, is what we feel. So yeah. we go back and we have to clear the wreckage or we go back to the scene of the crime and we clear all that up and we walk you through it and we walk you back into the modern life. And we find that even though trauma happens on many cases, we don't even know, we have to recognize trauma going forward and that recognition and destruction of them uh, neural pathways which take you back to trauma is easily done once you know what you're doing. Hence the 97% success rate as, a, as an addiction psychologist and a money-back guarantee, which no one in the world offers. That's how mm-hmm. confident we are that you'll never drink or use again. You'll have an amazing life. Yeah. You know, it really is that, uh, that good when, when, you, when you look at modern science. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, so like, like you said, there's not a lot of people that do the, the money-back guarantee treatment centers all over the world that just, you know, come, you spend $30,000 for a month or whatever, and, you know, they're back into whatever, they're relapse and they're this or that or whatever. So what do you feel like, like, what are they not doing that you're doing? I, I mean, part of it's like the trauma stuff, but what, what else do you feel like they're not doing that, that you guys are able to do? First of all, most people I know that run treatment centers or are in treatment industry concentrate on the symptom, the concentrate on the alcohol or the drugs, you know, all the relationships that you're currently in now. It's not the alcohol and drugs, guys. That's the symptom. Alcoholism mm-hmm. and drug addiction has got very little to do. I'd say 3% of alcoholism and drug addiction. It has got very little to do. So let's forget about that. We have to say from day one, you drink, problem's gone. It's, it's not your, that's not what the problem is. Mm-hmm. The problem is how we're thinking and how we're stuck in the past and how it keeps revolving around. So stop concentrating on that. Let's get back to the real problem, which is me. Let's go into, you know, if I was suffering, let's go back and see what's happening. And then let's build you a life for the future. What mm-hmm. do you want to do? What do you want to be? Let us take you there. And then we kind of brainwash them in. Like, for instance, if somebody comes who's been wealthy in the past and wants to get wealthy again, or someone who's coming and just the, the biggest dream is to drive a car, a Porsche or something, we will take our patients to the Porsche dealership and I will sit them in that car and we'll test drive that car. Then after we've done that, I'll drive them to that million dollar house on the hill and I'll get them to walk around 
And I, I, I tell them, this is yours, feel it's yours. And what happens is not only self-belief, but once you get there, the biggest problem in the world with, with humans is once we get to that point, if, if it's a new experience, we start to panic. Oh, this is, I'm not this, this is not me. I, I'm, you know, I'm scared of success. But if you've already been there and primed the brain for success, then walk into it. Let me give you a prime example, Ryan. Yeah. Quantum physics tells me that I can be up to 25 places on a basketball court at the very same time. The energy can be 25 places. Where would I want to be? Hmm. Oh, I want to be over near the goal. Because when I get the ball, I'm going to pop it in, be the hero of the game. Here's the <laughs> question. How do you get there? Well, can you visualize it? Yeah, I can see myself doing that. Walk over and take the position. What? <laughs> Walk over and take the position. Because categorically, 100% time, let me tell you guys, what you visualize in your head, you can hold in your hand. You've just got to know how to do this and have the confidence to walk over there. And most of my guys have gone back to being the number one selling actors in the world. Uh, someone's had new albums come out, has gone straight platinum. This is what we teach guys is you have no idea who you are. Let me tell you what I see because you don't see it. But mm -hmm. we do, especially I do with the training and, and, and background that I have, I can see a winner. You know, mm -hmm. so we assessment, assessment first before you come on board. And, he, and I make sure that we're going to take you to the next level. Never failed yet. We yeah. say we have a 97% success rate. It's 100, but no one's going to do that. <laughs> no. you know, it's like, but what we do, here's our key. Mm -hmm. We only take on four patients at any one okay. time. And mm -hmm. there's a team of seven or eight people, even on telehealth, working behind you. We will have you followed in the car if you're sneaking off somewhere, you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. uh, we will have uh, sober coaches over that area that will catch and breathalyze you on the spot. Uh, we'll pull you over like the police and we'll freaking breastalize you there and then. <laughs> so we go the extra mile and we make sure that your head is on recovery until the change in your pathways happen and then we step back. So the second month is pretty cool because you start to think about. And the other thing that we do and the most important thing we do is we change neural pathways from mm -hmm. self-sabotaging to healthy neural pathways. And what I've found with evidence-based research is the neural pathways once in recovery, has a split. Self-sabotage, drink and use, good healthy choices, confident, feeling good. Before that happens, there's a 7.3 time frame. 7.3 second time frame, we've only tested 100 people, but it's enough where mm -hmm. you can divert that neural pathway away from self-sabotaging. And the more we use good, healthy, successful, um, confident neural pathways, the less the self-sabotaging gets you. Mm. Used. And it's just like any road that you travel out. The main freeway becomes my self-sabotaging. So we take them through the side roads. Now, at first, my thought pattern wants to go to the freeway because it's quicker, it's faster, and it's instant gratification. But as we teach them to use other neural pathways, the main route gets bricks on it, it gets moss on it, and it becomes untravelable. So when I set off my house, I'm automatically immediate reaction following the A roads to get to my destination. That's mm -hmm. how it works. Nice. So, so like, I think you mentioned a time frame, but what, what's usually like you mentioned the second month. So is it usually take about 30 days to kind of really get that in a, in a good place or longer? Or what's your, what's your experience well, with the that? 90 day model that we work off is there for a reason. And everybody will tell you this. It's about 90 days before every, chemically everything resets in the brain. So mm -hmm. the first 30 days you're with us, it's pretty cool. We're getting to know you. Second month is a bit harder. Now we're calling you on your BS Mm -hmm. you know, and the third month is just recapturing. Many people step down to our uh, sister program, which is Recover Me Coaching, that sees us three times a week, once with you, once with your wife or partner or parents, and then once all three together. So we step you down financially big time so you can afford this to mm -hmm. continue. And like I said, I will do, I have gone over to a state with the uh, permission of his dad, which was a police captain, and I have handcuffed a patient and stuck him in the car and brought him back here. That patient is now nine years sober, but he didn't want to recover, but I knew mm -hmm. he had it in. And so we go to any alleged, completely out the box, Ryan. Right. Completely out the box. I will curse at somebody, I will shout at somebody, because I'm shocking the disease. And many people doesn't know, we have the disease and we have the normal person. Guys, how many times if you've got a drink problem, the people said to you, such a nice guy when he's not drinking. That's, that's you, that's mm -hmm. the real guy we're talking to. What about the disease? Well, he's a pain in the backside. He causes chaos and it hurts everyone around him. Alcoholism is a contagious disease. I infect everybody I come into contact with, with my traits, with my miserable stealing, lying, 
everyone gets affected. It doesn't have to be that way. There's a way no. out. Yeah. So, so when you, when you think about, and this is maybe jumping back to something you said, so when you first kind of got told you were an alcoholic and just AA, like where does, where does that fit for you? I mean, those terms and stuff, I, I'm assuming you're still okay with, but like, what's your, like, do you think 12 steps important? Is that something you, that you have your people do or where's your, where's your kind of, where do you sit on that? Well, the first publication, the second publication of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first one, six volumes, public domain. I am a big 12 step guy. I'm mm -hmm. a big spiritual guy. Choose mm -hmm. a God. There's two and a half thousand gods in the world. Just choose one. That's <laughs> all. You can't change your light bulb. You can't choose the group. No human power can help you with this crap. So we need to get to a place big on AA. Mm -hmm. I wasn't that first though, Ryan. Hated everybody, judged everybody, hated it. Had nothing in common with these guys. I'm driving a Bentley outside. You've arrived on a bike. We have nothing in common. That was my mentality. But as, as today, if I, if, I, if I see somebody I don't like in, in, a, in a party or something, I just go, I don't like that guy. <laughs> if I find out 10 minutes later he's an alcoholic in recovery, I'm drawn to that guy and we become best friends. Mm. And that's just the way it is. So when I first heard it, you know, I was doubting it a little bit. Uh, but now the new science has come in. We mix that with the first 164. I used the 164. Look, I've spent 23 years in schools, universities, and colleges to get educated to be who I am today. I've studied Carl Jung. I've wrote white papers in England. I can tell you that the, the best piece of literature I have ever read, ever read, is the first 164 of the big book pertaining to the recovery and information of alcoholics and recovered alcoholics. It's phenomenal. So yeah, we definitely use that. Okay, great, great. That's I just I know like a lot of people I work with use twelve step and they and they enjoy and I don't have any issues with it myself. I just was curious kind of where you sat with it or yeah. whatever. So that's good. It's good. And I think I've heard you say too before, like the spiritual part is big. Do you mind kind of like sharing your experience about kind of like what like what turnaround? I just remember you sharing this story in the previous podcast with somebody about kind of like what that was for you from a spiritual standpoint. Yeah. I'm going to, I want to add a story to that picture okay. All right. I'd forgotten about, which is cool because, okay, so I'm on the streets for 14 months and mm -hmm. beaten and battered. Uh, I've lost about a hundred pounds. I'm struggling to survive. People are beating me up. When I first went on the streets, great. I can handle myself. But as the lessons less nourished got in, into my body, I started to lose. Uh, Monday morning, I call Sunday night, but it's 2.30 in the morning. So it was really Monday morning. It was pouring down. I was on the back street in Manchester and I dropped down to my hands and knees. It wasn't planned. And I started to cry from my belly, that real ache cry. I wasn't mm -hmm. crying because I lost my kids or my wife or my millions of dollars. I was crying because the first time in my life I realized I couldn't stop drinking. And this was it, man. I tried to commit suicide six times. And on two occasions, I succeeded. And somebody on the back end of the road, EMS, brought me back to life. And I hated them guys. So I'm on my hands and knees crying. The rain is hitting the back of my head, mixing with my tears and dropping on the cobble uh, road. Mm -hmm. And I looked up to the sky and I said, if there's a God up there, because I'm pretty much atheist by now. If there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. 30 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner. He had a small Bible in his hand. He'd miss his last bus home. He had to walk for like two hours to get home. Uh, came across me and said, do you want help? And I said, yes. Now, that's where my journey started right there, Ryan. But I want to add mm. something there. Yeah. He took me back to his house and said, look, you can stay as long as you want, but you've got to come to AA meetings with me. It's like, I've been to their main meetings. They're no good. That's what I'm thinking. But mm -hmm. It's a dry bed for the night. And he's fed me and I got clean clothes on. So I'm going to this meeting. When I go to the meeting, same old stuff, you know, war stories. This guy called John, white beard, white hair, looked pretty like, I don't know, it's come from the desert or something. Everything was cheesecloth. And uh, he said he's a recovered alcoholic. And I'm like, what? So when I walked over to him, I said, hey, you can't say recovered. It's, it's a disease we have forever. And he opened the title of the big book and there he was. How many hundred thousand men have recovered from alcoholism? And it mentions recovered 17 times in the first 164. So I said to him, will you be my sponge? And he said, no. I was devastated. I'd walk like, it must have been 20 yards, but it felt like the Sahara Desert I'd just walked through. But he said, I will be your spiritual advisor for a period of eight weeks. I said, okay. So he said, there's my address. Come around tomorrow with a big book and a dictionary. I said, I don't need a dictionary. I went to Oxford. He said, bring a dictionary. Okay. So I borrowed a dictionary and stole a big book. God, I've asked for forgiveness. <laughs> so, and I walked, around, I walked around to the man's house. I couldn't afford bus fare, so I walked around. Mm -hmm. uh, for eight weeks, every Wednesday, we looked for must word, message of God, words, and promises. This is the book study. 
for every, so I'd read during the week, like eight pages a day. And then on every Wednesday, I'd walk there at seven o'clock. I'd get there for eight o'clock. We'd spend eight till nine going over the work I've done. And he taught me stuff that I'd never heard before, especially pertaining to this book, uh, how it mentions Jesus Christ and stuff like that in the first one, six, four. And I was blown away with the stuff he was telling me, but I was getting well and I felt well. And every time I walked there, I walked there eight times. I walked there eight times there and back over the eight week period. And the last day we did the steps overnight because that's the way it's supposed to be done. Quick recovery. And I walked home and I knew when I came out of that man's house, I'd never drink alcohol again. But I also knew that amazing life was going to happen because that's what he told me. He said, Rob, mm. your life's going to take off from today. And it did. The next day I got a part-time job. Three days later, they turned it into full-time. And within two weeks, I had an offer of a small apartment that I could afford. So after my first paycheck, after the first two weeks, I went to the gas station and I bought him a little teddy bear and a card. And I wrote on the card, thank you, John, for introducing me to my God, you know, and some great message. And I walked the eight, you know, back to him, like I've been doing eight times before. And uh, I got there and I went up to the window and I started banging on the window like I always did. And <clears throat> nobody came. So I was banging that loud. The next door neighbor opened the door and says, can I help you? And I said, can you tell where John's relocated to? Because can see it's empty. And she said, well, no, there's been no one there in that apartment for at least six months that I know of. I've been here six months. There's been, never been anyone in that apartment. So obviously she's crazy. So I let her close the door, turn the light off, and I went to the next door, this side. And I knocked on the door, and a guy came to the door, and I said, can you tell me where John's moved to? And he said, moved to? There's been no one there for at least two years that I've been, or a year or something like that, that I've been here. And he closed the door. And I thought, that's weird. How, I've been here for eight times. I know where it is. So I went back to the meeting the next evening and, I, and, I, and I, I caught the chairman. I said, hey, do you remember when I met that guy, John? He's like, John? I said, yeah, John, the guy recovered, sat opposite me. I said, no. I said, I was over near the coffee machine speaking to him. This is what he said, Ryan. No, we were laughing at you, Rob, because you was over the coffee machine speaking to yourself. So I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck because he embarrassed me and everyone's laughing. And I grabbed this guy and I said, don't you ever take liberties like that. And some guy pulled me away and they all come running over and said, Rob, you're just talking to yourself, buddy. There was nobody over there. Never found that man. Mm. But the program that I've created over the past 27 years is 60% based on what he taught me of how to go forward. And mm. I, I speak to God on a daily basis and God told me, and for any guys that are atheist, I'm sorry, I mentioned God. It's right. okay, don't worry. Yeah. Um, he told me to uh, travel around the world. He said, he's going to send me far away from my hometown and to guarantee people can recover. And that's what we've been doing for the last 20 something years. It's been crazy. That's, that's awesome. That gave me chills when you said that. That's a, that, that story. That's an amazing crazy, story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think that that's, like you said, it's part of like the, the spiritual, I, like I think about the four dimensions of wellness, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the physical, and they all kind of have to work together. But that, yeah. you know, like I said, the spiritual part, a lot of times people, they want to push it away or they don't, you know, it's like, like I said, they just want to kind of do it without it, but they all really are important together. And, yeah. and the spiritual part, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's a big component of it. And specifically for those things too, like for those reasons, like, you know, whether it's people that, you know, there's no coincidences, there's things of that nature yeah. where it's like people get put into your life, things happen. Obviously you had a destiny to have this program and, and the, yeah. that your experiences kind of brought you to that place where you were ready to be a kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you look at it as a vessel or, you know, somebody Definitely. to now, you Definitely. know, I like to say vessel uh -huh. because so many things had to happen for me to even get here like three days before I was supposed to come to speak in a church in Dallas with their youth ministry for two weeks. Well, I checked my passport about a week before I was due to go and it was expired mm. by two days. Right. So I'm like, Oh my God. So I jumped on a bus to Liverpool and I got to Liverpool with all my stuff. And I said, I need to expedite. And he said, expediting will be about four weeks. Yeah. Said, no, 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 no. I've traveled in like seven, eight days. It can't be four weeks. So that's what it is. Your normal's nine weeks. The expedite is four weeks. So I put it through and I was crying on the way home, right? And I was just, this was it. This was going to be my chance to, to make a difference. And I got home and I was so embarrassed. I didn't call them. I was so embarrassed. Mm. I thought I'm going to have to call them the day before. It's time I can't make it. And about four days later, a knock came in the door and it was a postman with my uh, passport. Mm. That was the first sign. Yeah. And it's been a hundred times since. So yeah. yeah, you know, there's a mission here to be done. There's a mission. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I think that any of us that kind of have that sense about us, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we've had that experience or something like that to where we see that there's a greater purpose for us. I know I've felt that just in my own kind of process and, you know, and, and being able to, um, you know, be where I am. I've, I've had those moments where it's like, you just know, like there had to be something else working. Otherwise it would have gone a different direction or not the direction that you're hoping for. So that's great. Um, all right. So as far as then, then the, the treatment goes, I mean, I'm curious, what's like somebody, what, one of your hardest people that you've ever had to work with, what was any, any stories on that? And like just really difficult or what, I mean, obviously you, st- you have a great success rate, but anything that stands out as somebody that was super difficult to work with? Um, yeah, there'd be, there's been a couple and, and unfortunately I'd love to mention the name. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, I, probably right. one of the biggest uh, rap stars in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought him over and uh-huh. just for the first couple of days, it was kind of, you know, who I am kind of thing. And we had to, we had to snap that out of him. And mm-hmm. the way I work again, out the box, people don't like it is I dropped him in the middle of town and, and drove back again, left him there with no belongings or nothing. And then my assistant went over and collected him and come back a different person. But I, I was telling him, we don't care who you are. We don't care how much money you got. If you don't do this deal, we're going to throw you out. There's no refund. We charge up front. And, and I don't care if you recover or not. It doesn't make any difference to me. But if you care, I want to recover. I'm here for you. So there was people like that. Other people would walk up to me. And, uh, and some of the people I don't know, they're America's best musicians. But from the 80s and 90s that, that have come to us, I don't know who they are. I've only been over here for 14 years. Yeah. And this guy come up, one of the biggest guitar players in the world absolute he was a god in his day and he was stood there and i'm looking around and this guy's staring at me and he marched over and said don't you know who i am and i went i don't know he said well how come i recognize you you're supposed to be recognizing me i don't give a shit who you are you know you're coming for treatment you keep your mouth shut you do as you're told so Mm. a few of them have tried it but not a lot of people uh we we actually handcuffed uh, a guy in la jail the county jail when we picked him up and the mm-hmm. judge signed him over to us, but the judge scared it because the judge said he should be going back to prison for six months. But if I put him in your care and he goes missing, you'll be back in my courthouse again, Dr. Kelly. I didn't like that. So we had a good discussion after. <laughs> this guy was known, you know, he'd fallen mm-hmm. from grace. He'd been a huge star and uh, we handcuffed him. We said to mm-hmm. the judge, yeah, we'll take him. Took him out we handcuffed him. He's like, you can't do this to me. You don't know who I am. We stuck him in the car. And we have, a, we have a plane, so we stuck him on the plane and brought him over here. And uh, we kept telling him, we brainwashed him, you are going to be one of the biggest box office paid stars in the film industry. And two weeks before we actually let him go, it was like 10 weeks he was into it, uh, he got a, he got a, a script from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he opened the script, and it was one of the biggest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And he looked at us in disbelief, and I said, how many times have I told you this is what we do. Yeah. And, we, and we've had uh, road sweepers. It's a, we had a road sweeper come to us one day and he said, you know, I want to go for your program. Uh, my granddad's paying for this. Uh, and what's your ambition? I want to be head of the crew. Like mm-hmm. there's seven people on the road. He wanted to be the manager of all of them. When he left, he was the manager of all of them. So dreams right. differ. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Attitudes are all the same when they get here. We strip you down. So do you uh, have like, do you have people do like things like journaling or stuff like yes. that to kind of do that kind of stuff? Like what are some of the techniques you utilize with that? We use mirror work. First of all, is when you stand in front of the mirror, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not affirmations. It's I love you 10 times. That's what you do. We're tricking the subconscious brain because we hate ourselves. Everybody does alcoholically and even not alcoholically or drug. Yeah. So we're convincing the brain first of all. And then we say our prayers, whether it to be uh, spiritual or there's two and a half thousand gods, choose one. Uh, just pray to him. Everything's going to be good today. And then we do our daily routine. Very important for alcoholics. What are you going to do that day? Well, I'm going to have breakfast, go to the gym. We'll go to AA. I'm going to do this, this, this. Okay. We've got seven things on that today. Mm-hmm. Every time you accomplish one, check it off. When you don't check them all off, that's your relapse. And we drum that into them. Relapse never happens when I pick a drink up. If that's not a relapse. The relapse has happened a week or even two weeks before that where you start getting irritable and pissed off with everybody, you know, and that's your relapse right there. So we teach them that to watch out for them. And then we just make sure you compliment three people, wherever we go, if they walk up and say nice things. And the reason we do that is when I say thank you to somebody, my dopamine's released in my brain. And Mm -hmm. I don't know about anybody else guys listening out there, but I like some dopamine, 
you know, it's a natural high for me and I love it. So compliment three people's a day. And at the end of the day, if you stood in the middle of nowhere and you throw a piece of trash and it doesn't go in the bin, it goes at the side, you're going to pick it up. You're going to leave it. And most people learn to pick it up and put it in the trash bin, you know, and some analogy, but that's what mm -hmm. we do in life. Yeah. And we teach him to be a gentleman or teach him to be a lady. Mm -hmm. And we become fearless as we go along that we can accomplish anything. And like I said, I've taken him to the Porsche dealership. I've taken him to the million dollar houses because that's where we're going. If you want right. to go there, that's where we're going. Yeah. So again, that, that kind of going back to like the trauma and stuff. So that negative belief that's been implanted in them, that's just what they're, they're fighting that all, all the way. Right. Or at least, I mean, that's what you're trying to reverse is whether it's that feeling of not good enough or I don't deserve or whatever it is. Like a lot of that's just driving that bus of like, this is what I'm trying to cope with as far as my drinking. And so in recovery, um, and in, in the treatment, that's what we're trying to reprogram is to get them to believe that they are good enough or they do have value. They can have these things if they want them, right? Exactly. And one of the biggest things, as I always say, you know, if you don't think you're good enough, guys, if you don't think you can achieve your dreams, and if you feel less than, I want to apologize to you. Mm -hmm. because somebody's put that there. We are not born this way. You ever notice how young kids will dance in the middle of a dance floor at a wedding? you know, or swim naked in this. They don't care. They got no fear. You right. need to get you back there. Someone's put that there. You are good enough. Everybody can achieve anything they want to do. It's, it's quantum physics. It's realization. It's science. It's facts. You know, if you want to be somebody or do something, this is it. These are the tools you're going to get to do that in the self-belief. You know, if me and you right now, Ryan, if you wrote five things about me that are good and I wrote five things about you, you wouldn't believe what I wrote. You go, ah, oh, well, I'm not too sure about that. No, mine's the truth about you. It's just that you don't see it. You don't see, you don't see what, what effect you have with this podcast. You mm -hmm. don't see that people are looking up to you and following you. Here's a prime example. I'm at an AA meeting once and I, I, I've had enough. I mean, I've been doing book studies when I first got here because I couldn't work. I was doing book studies. I was holding meetings and it was about nine months and I was just done. And I, I got up on the podium. I said, hey, guys, I'm done. Nobody's getting well. I'm not having an effect on people. Some people are arguing with me. Some people are threatening me. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done. And I walked away from the microphone. And you could hear a pin drop in that room. There's about 300 people in the room. And right at the back of the room, the old Jack used to get there at 6 o'clock and just stay there till 6 at night, you know, doing the coffee and sweeping up. He got a walking stick. And you could hear this walking stick hit the floor as he was walking to the podium. And I thought, here we go. And he said this, and I never forget this. And this is the effect we have on people and the effect you have on people, Ryan, is he says, anyone in this room had an effect with what Rob's been teaching and, and, and doing what he did in this room. And 30 people stood up and I'm like, told you, I told you. And then he said, of the people still sat down, have you been influenced by the people that are stood up now? Another 50 stood up. And he carried on like that till the whole room was stood up. And he mm. looked at me and he said, never, never underestimate the power that you have on everybody's life because mm. you'll never know how many people you've helped and it really stuck with me the ripple effect yeah. you know it really did it's just phenomenal we are powerful human beings We're right. built for success the trauma is really hard to get over if you don't deal with it and uh, the, the belief you know the belief in oneself is rampant with every human being i i went on tour with one of the biggest singers in the world uh is a platinum guy from uh, uk best single artist voted for the last 20 years. And before we went on stage with him at the side, he was crying with nerves. He didn't think he was good. There's a hundred thousand people in the stadium waiting for him to go on. And he was crying. He didn't want to go on. He didn't think he was good enough. And I was beside him telling him some home truth with some blue language. And in the end, we pushed him on stage. He killed it, Ryan. Like he always does. Mm -hmm. but the lack of self-belief hits the working man, hits the middle-class man. It hits the multi-million dollar singer it's just the way it is and it's a daily reminder the hypothalamus yeah. kind of sets every 24 hours you know so that's mm -hmm. where they get one day at a time from it's like right. it's a new day today what can i accomplish today because if yeah. i told you you're going to die in a month's time what would you change about today and they all go oh well i do this and i do that why aren't you doing that now why aren't you telling your wife you love her oh she knows no 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 we yeah. only know we're good and we only know we're loved if we tell people you know if you want to get really technical Go back to the Bible. Jesus said, let there be light. He said, you don't write it down in a letter. You voice it. And it's very powerful once we voice it. 
Yeah, I liked what I, I, I really like that. And I think that's important. And even for like, like, I think I'd heard a, you share a story on a different podcast too, even just about like people like you and I, who maybe, like you said, who maybe think, okay, we're, you know, having this impact on people, but, but I, you know, it, we don't necessarily always feel that within ourselves, you know? And so I think you, you'd shared a story about somebody had said like, Oh, you know, Dr. Kelly, he's great or whatever. And it's like, well, have you ever told him that? No, he knows that. And it's like, yeah, but we, you know, it, it, like I said, it's like that fleeting thing. And I like the idea of like the, the hypothalamus resetting every 24 hours is like, we need to hear that. We all need to hear that, you know, I mean, to, to have those things reinforced for us to kind of feel like, you know, we matter, we have that worth. Cause like I said, we're always battling something, you know, in our, in our mind. And so having that verbalized, even to, you know, people that like I said, seem like they have it all. Yes. You don't, you don't know what's going on inside their head. Right everybody suffers from that lack of confidence. It's just the way mm -hmm. it is. I literally have just put Zoom down before I came on your show with mm -hmm. a couple we've been working with uh, for about three months now. And they were sat there and they held each other's hands and they says, Dr. Rob, you have not only recovered from the, the alcohol and drugs, but you have saved our marriage. And I was crying. It's like, I couldn't believe what they were saying. Mm -hmm. I, it was so emotional. You know, it's like, you don't know unless somebody tells you. I'm always telling people if there's value there, I won't lie. If there's value there in what they're doing, we need to know, guys. Everyone, always try and lift somebody up, never put them down because you never know when you go. I've been down there when people are spitting at me on the streets and stepping over me with disgust. I've been there. You know, I never judge a book by its cover. And people go, Oh, watch Johnny. And let me tell you about him before you speak to him. No, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to treat him with respect and trust him as much as I can until he proves me wrong. It's like you can't, everyone judges one another. Oh, don't do this, don't do that. I don't work like that, guys. I'm too old for that stuff. You know, I've learned a few things on my journey to where I am today. And, you know, one of them is, first of all, you need to tell people. If you, you know, what are going to happen if you die in a month? Oh, well, I tell my wife I love her straight away. Mm -hmm. well, when's the last time you did that? Oh, she knows. I'll, be a flower. I'll buy her flowers every couple of months. She knows. Gee, man, come on. Right. You know? Nobody yeah. knows, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and along with that too, I was thinking like something that you said earlier, um, just about, uh, again, the trauma and kind of sometimes how it's even just so subtle, the ways that it shows up or the ways that it prevents us, you know, speaking of clients I had a client earlier today and we were, he's maybe been a little bit of a, of a challenge as far as like trying to identify the trauma, even though, like you said, it's there, you just maybe don't want to see it or whatever, but it was interesting today. He had talked about something he'd been thinking about and this is a guy that's wealthy. He's got plenty of money to, to do what he needs to do, but he has a knee issue and he, and he's been resisting kind of going to the doctor and getting his knee taken care of. And he had a memory that came back to him when he, you know, his, uh, when he was younger and his dad um, had lost his job and he had to be taken to the hospital because he had a pain in his side and they weren't sure if it was appendicitis. So he had to be in the hospital for a couple of days and um and he just he could sense the stress on his mom's face because you know they he like they didn't have the money they didn't have insurance anymore and so he was like costing them you know he was costing them something right yeah. you know so his well-being was costing them and it's like that's translated now to where it's like he doesn't feel like he yes. deserves to take yeah. care of himself when he's got he's got the money to do that but that was a traumatic thing. He knew yeah. he was a burden on his family at that point. And now it's almost like I, don't, I can't be a burden on myself. You know, like yeah. I can't take care of myself. So that trauma can be so subtle and show up in so many different ways, but it's there. Like you said, it's there. Everybody has always it. There. Yeah. Every single yeah. time there's, there's always there. We had a client once and I love telling this story is uh, his father was a, was a world-class marathon runner. So he always what is his kids to follow him. So mm -hmm. the guy's like 14 at the time and there was a race at school and there was five people in the race and his father went, you need to win this. You need to win it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And the first three people got a t-shirt first, second, third, got a t-shirt. The other two didn't get anything. They just glad to take, he come forth and they walked home in silence. We found out after many years when he came to me that for the last 20 something years, he's been chasing that t-shirt. Now that's powerful. When you mm -hmm. think about trauma, how many times has he not gone for that job, that girl, that because if he only comes forth, he's only come, never going to be a winner. Your dad hated him for it. You know, he died hating him for it because he did a chasing a t-shirt for 20 odd years. You need to recognize that. This is awesome stuff. It's like mm -hmm. you, you know, the pain. Yeah. 
pain and, and, the, and the neglect of oneself and the codependency. Yeah. I have a, a colleague that says codependency is a chronic sign of self-neglect. And I love that because yeah, we carry that's... that over. You know, mm-hmm. when I cost my, my parents all that money in the hospital, I, I, you know, I still do the same to, you know, my wife says you need to go to the hospital. I'm not going to the hospital. I have to pay a thousand dollars to go in, even though we pay three grand a month for insurance. I can't go <laughs> to the hospital, but that comes from the past when I got uh-huh. a huge bill from the hospital. I can't afford to pay. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. But yeah. that's, that's awesome. I like that, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's, it's interesting how it, how it shows up and when you start to dig into it, you know, even just what people like just allowing them the opportunity to kind of see that. And like I said, some people are a little bit harder, they're a little bit more resistant to see it, but once it kind of opens up to them, it's like the connection there. And then, you know, the hope is, and I think you're big on this, like, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about kind of action, being more action minded. I think you've, you've talked about that in, in things before. Um, you want to get people out doing stuff, right? Yes, definitely. <clears throat> you know, and I have a saying that I picked up from a pastor somewhere and it says, show me your, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Mm-hmm. This is about action. This is about doing stuff, you know, cause we're stuck in our old ways of judging by my actions, not by my intentions. You know, my intentions were always good, Ryan, I thought, but I never followed through. I'm the guy that lost his kids and wouldn't visit because alcohol was more important. You know, I'm the guy that, that stabbed his wife three times because the alcohol was more important than she was trying to hide from him. You know, all this crazy stuff, stop already, stop promising. You know, sorry in my industry is a sorry word. We don't need to use that word. You know, we need to start doing, we're doing stuff that we've never done before, acting kindly. 90% of our language is, is, is not verbal. Mm-hmm. Only 10% is verbal. What are you doing with your body? How are you showing off? How are, you, are you crossing your arms when you meet somebody? Are you always lifting them up? Are you patting them on the back? Are you giving them thumbs up? All this stuff is shifting dopamine in my brain, which I like. This has always got to be done. And moving forward every single day is, a, is, a, is, is vital in this game. Because if mm-hmm. you don't, with the addictive brain, you're stepping back. And it's real easy to step back. So moving forward, not judging people, acting the Good Samaritan, and being kind. If I yeah. leave somebody that I've got a smile on their face, or they're going, hey, he's not a bad guy. You know, that's why if I do that, Ryan, my job's done for that day. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. God's put, God, my God has put me in such a place now where, you know, even financially we help because... What we do is every Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays, we ask people to write in. Tell us what your kid wants for Christmas that you can't afford to buy. The rules are you must be a one-parent family in recovery mm-hmm. and you must have children. And there are hundreds out there and, and they send us the, the Santa list in and we say we're going to pick one, but we, we actually do them all. And we send presents from, from Santa Claus to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's action. Yeah. That's giving back to the community. I love giving back to the community. You know, this is the stuff that makes us the powerful person we are today. And I don't know who's looking after you, whether it's God or a universe or spiritual. I don't care. But listen, when you do the right thing, good stuff starts to happen to you. Believe me, I've worked with over, well, almost 6,000 patients in the last 27, 28 years. 6,000. And it always happens. Do A and B and C will follow. Mm-hmm. But complacency is my worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me every time, you know? Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, 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 it's kind of goes back to even what you said too. It's like, if you're not doing something like if you, you know, whatever, then say it, do it, make it happen. Like, don't just sit there and be like, Oh, I can't do that. Or, you know, it's hard for me to say, I love you. Well, just say it then, you know, it's, yeah. it's only going to get better if you do it. And if you, you know, take that action and, and make it be a part of your life rather than always make it be this obstacle. That's like, Oh, that's hard. That's difficult. That's, you know, that's whatever. Um, but just, just do it. You know, it's not, it's not going to get any better until you take that action. Exactly. So, take the yeah. action and move. You know, we, we had a, a pool guy the other day who was working on my uh, waterfall and he did something wrong. And I came in and said to my wife, I can't believe that he's, he's messed the waterfall up the timing of it and the lights don't come at the same time. And she went, Rob, can you remember when your waterfall on the street was somebody peeing next to you? I'm like, God, oh, you're lucky to be here. Now go back out and apologize to that guy. And I did. Mm. It's like, you've got to watch complacency. I picked a, my car was, was, uh, would need a service. I took it there. They gave me a car 30 grand less than the guy I was driving. I can't drive this. And she's like, Rob, remember when you had a bus pass? Oh God. <laughs> so it's always good to have an accountability partner who, who mm. tells you that, look, your problems are not problems. Mm-hmm. It's just complacency. What would you tell your patients? I tell them to shut up and get home, give them anything to drive. 
Good. Well, I need to do the same. I still need to be taught about that because the road to recovery is always under construction. Always under mm-hmm. construction. You're never going to have it. It's a bit like golf. Just mm-hmm. when you think you've got it, you're going to have a crap game. It's going to send you back to where to throw that club away or take that drink of alcohol or whatever because life's crap. It's not. Did you really have a bad day or did you just have 10 minutes that you dragged on all day? And usually it's 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And you're thinking that because we thought a few sorry for ourselves and want to blame everyone else for our problem. Shut up. Yeah. Get up, dust yourself down and go and go and, go and make somebody laugh. Go and inspire yeah. somebody. Whatever you work, just walk up and go, you look, you look amazing today. Absolutely look amazing. Done. Within seconds, you'll come out of self. It will not be a bad day after that, promise me. And if I'm wrong, email me. I'll send you my cars. I'll give you the keys to my house and I'll give you my credit card. Yeah. Black American credit card, you can have it for a day. <laughs> you know why I'm, why I'm promising all that? Because it's freaking impossible. I know the addicted mind more better than anybody else. If you do them things, you'll jump out of your, your, your crap straight away and you'll get back on track. And that's what it's about on a yeah. daily basis. Right. Well, it's interesting. I, something you said too, just kind of triggered. I, um, I had a client this morning, we were doing some EMDR processing and stuff. And, and it, one of the thoughts that he had was about his self-pity and kind of being stuck in his self-pity. And I just asked him, I said, what would that be like for you? What would life be like for you if you were to give that self-pity up? And so we did some processing on that. And it's like, you know, like, and, and when he came back from that, it was like, oh, I would like see that I have all these strengths and all these values and all these things that I've been given to be able to be capable enough to accomplish all these things. Okay. So why would you, why, why would you want to hang on to self-pity? You know, if you, yeah. if like on the other side of that is all these great things, what is self-pity really? It's, you know, what is it giving you if you don't, you know, if you could have all that all the time, you know, and, 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 and I think, Again, that's a part of like just that stuck nature and those negative beliefs. But it's also sometimes people, they, they want to be in that, like you said, that 10 minutes. And it's like that 10 minutes of a bad day is just 10 minutes. You know, that self-pity, maybe it gives you some type of satisfaction or some type of feeling of like, well, I get to feel sorry for myself for a while or, you know, whatever. But look at all the stuff that I'm missing. Look at the, the rest of the 24 hours of the day that are, you know, that I'm missing because I let that 10 minutes define me, you know? And, and I think that that realization for him today was like, yeah, if I just give that self pity up, I can immerse myself in all the good and all the strengths and all the positives that are there. <clears throat> isn't that such a, isn't that a much better way of living, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, but like yeah, I really like that. But what I found in the past is therapists are happy to stop at that wall, you mm. know, where you take them through. Let's look on the other side, see what is it, is it worth staying in that wall? Not really. Come on, let's go. And unless therapists like you, I love because, you know, we're pushing. I mean, people are, uh, people are teaching things now out of the 40s and 50s, you know, textbooks. We've gone mm-hmm. beyond that, guys. Come on. It's a new world. There's new therapy. There's brain science. And there's guys that want to push you through it. And I think if in an environment when they feel safe with somebody who knows what they're doing, like you just did with that guy, mm-hmm. that's where we need to be with these guys. You know, we need to push them through the uncomfortable pieces that yeah. they don't really want to talk about. It's right. like, I don't want to talk about the stuff you want to talk about. I want to talk about the stuff you don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff that you don't want to talk about is the reason why you're still sick and still suffering. Right. It's like, let's get real here. Every single person under the, the addiction, under the depression, under the bipolar is an amazing guy with a bunch of stuff to give away to other people. And that guy's going to succeed. But we don't see that. So we're mm-hmm. comfortable to sit, you know, with that self-pity and just, you know, lolling all day long. It's like... Do you know while you was in that self-pity and that time, 10 minutes got spread all day long, there's probably six people sat at home depressed. And you know why they're depressed? Because they don't feel worthy. They don't feel good enough. And do you know what? I changed that depression. You getting out of your crap and telling them they look great or thanks for that or great job. See, people underestimate them two little words, great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen people's lives change. We, pick up, we picked a cake up once for a, from a, a, a convenience store. And when I went in there, me and my assistant was laughing and joking. This old woman came out and we got, we got banter me and her. I'm always trying to talk to people. And she's like, you know, if, if I was 50 years younger, I'd be dating you. And I'm like, if you were 50 years younger, you'd be 20 years younger than me. And this fast went forward and we were laughing and joking. So we told them what we want on the cake instead of pick up tomorrow. And then we left. I had no idea what just happened there, but we had fun. This old lady was cracking me up. I went back the next day for the cake on my own. And the manager came out with this beautiful cake. It was beautiful. Then this old lady came from the back and said, oh, can I have a quick word with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. What is it? Went to the side. 
He says, I have to thank you. And what for? My husband died three months ago. This is my first day back and I'm very fragile. But what you said to me made me laugh and you made my day. I had no idea, Ryan. <laughs> this is the stuff we're missing out on. Mm-hmm. You will never know the effect you have on people, you know, and we need to start being more verbal about this. If yeah. you lift people up, somebody's going to lift you up. Believe me, they are. That's just yeah. the way it works. Yeah. No, I love that. That's probably a good place to finish. I really think that just being more verbal, being able to say that, not take things for granted. I think we've kind of came to a place where we've become so in our own bubbles, you know, and we just yes. kind of like walk around in that bubble and, and, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's just not good. It's not healthy. You know, we need to be back to where we're, like I said, looking out for each other and making those, you know, going out of our way to make those connections with people and really having that sense of connection back in our lives. Cause that's, it's, 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 it's such an important thing. So especially now more than yeah. ever you yeah. know, with the COVID, the problem is guys, cell phones are keeping you prisoner. Mm-hmm. You're ruled by Facebook. You're ruled by how many likes you get or tweets you get. You know, this is the time we have to start looking out for each other. Put that phone away. You know, when you go out for dinner, put it away, come away from that phone because we're missing that personal human connection. And believe me, just because you got 4,000 friends on Facebook, <laughs> you're plugged into a wall, buddy. That's all right. you are, plugged into right. a wall. So yeah. don't let that fool you, you know? Yeah, because yeah, what, what are you doing with, yeah, what are you doing with those people, right? You're not, you're exactly. just, it's just exactly. a number. It's a number that you look at that makes you feel good, but it's not like you're, you know, going out and doing with them or doing anything with them or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think I may cut you off. So you said you said compliment people three times, three three different people three a day. Times a day. Yeah, three, three times different a day. people, three okay. times a day. Do your mirror work in the morning, <clears throat> and let me tell you guys, if you're sat at home in any kind of depression or any kind of self doubt, let me tell you, what you can achieve, you would not believe. You know, mm-hmm. everything is there open for you. Yeah, but there's no buts here, man. There's no buts at all. Have yeah. hope. And remember, at the end of the day, it's all out for the taking. The guy running that million, multi-million dollar company, a CEO, is no better than you. Mm-hmm. Believe it. I've seen guys travel and rise to that stature because they want it bad enough. It's all, it's American, man. Yeah. I just think I love Americans so much to become American. There's so many things over here that you can do. If you're sat at home thinking, you know, oh, I, I want to better myself, it's there for you. Yeah. Stop messing around. Stop putting it off, by the way. Yeah. You know, tomorrow never comes. Let's do it today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Check them things off in your diary. Write that check. <laughs> I, I, I get people to write checks. How much do you want to earn? I want to earn 100 grand a year. Okay, so you can afford a 10 grand check when you're there, can't you? Oh, easy. Let's write that 10 grand check. And in mm. the year's time, we'll cash it. Never failed yet. Mm. Even had a million dollar check, Ryan, on the wall. Oh. The guy cashed it after, mm. his, after the movie he was in, went to a box office seller. Best selling mm. movie ever to date, it was. The guy wow. cashed that million dollar check. Unbelievable. This is how we've got to live, man. Yeah. Excited yeah. for life. Nice. Yes. It's going to be a great day, right? It's going to be a great day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I re- really appreciate you being on the show, Dr. Kelly. Uh, you're an amazing person and just, I love your personality. I love your just uh, zest for life and just what you do and the way you go about doing it. It's great. I hope people will check you out and uh, definitely will be referring people your way if I need to. And just even just to read your literature, your your books, your stuff. So it's a lot of great stuff and I hope people got a lot out of today. I know I did. So just thanks again for coming on. No problems, man. I got to admit that I have a girl, Courtney, that goes out and looks at looks at stuff mm-hmm. and uh, she daren't come to me if anything's like below par and we have high mm-hmm. standards but she did call me a couple of days ago uh, she works for my dallas office and she called me and she said you know this ryan guy because i don't know i get my day tonight i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow yeah. you need to speak to this guy why you just need to speak to him mm-hmm. i'm like okay when she says that i know it's going to be something special and tell you ryan it was something special you are oh. awesome i love the way you operate i love your mindset you know, you just I've done some background work and you don't, don't worry about that. I always do. But uh, yeah, an amazing guy affecting hundreds of thousands of people, not even knowing it, man. So thank you for what you thank, do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Yes. Thank you. All right. It's good to hear that. And you're great too. And, and uh, I know I'm going to take your challenge and try to do more of the complimenting and, <clears throat> and uh, make that a bigger part of my day. So I appreciate that. Well, we're going to be checking on you, make you do. Okay. And, and, okay. and just after Christmas, we're going to get you on our podcast. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I, I, I'd love to do that. So. Excellent. Thanks very much, Ryan. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. I just want to thank my guest, Dr. Rob Kelly, for coming in and 
sharing so many wonderful things with us. I think whether you're an addict or have trauma or struggle with some kind of negative belief, you would have got something from our show. Uh, and not even just with those things, but I think anything, there was just the things that we can apply, things that we can do to improve ourselves. If we want to be better in our lives, if we are struggling, striving for the things that uh, we feel like we want to have, uh, there was tools and strategies in there for you. I know I took a ton of notes and I'm looking forward to implementing the things that he shared in my own life, as well as with my clients, uh, because there's just so many great things there. So I uh, really appreciate him taking time out of his busy schedule to come in and talk to us. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it and I appreciate you listening. Uh, this is the Vegas Therapist signing off until next time.